And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. Yeah, great question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. Great question. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. That is literally a brilliant question. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and happy winter solstice. Welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight is a historic program because it's the first time ever we are going to feature interviews with 10 of our own listeners. I would call these individuals the Council of Elders because our listeners are advanced. (laughs) They're very successful. They're intelligent. They're all contributing love, light, and peace into this world. And the 10 interviews that we do, we're going to ask our listeners their own insights, their own advice. They're going to even give us some show feedback points in time of the program I'm speaking a little slower and it is because I am completely overwhelmed and humbled by engaging these individuals again it's what an honor it is I can't tell you how much love respect and admiration I have for you and for all the people to listen to this program it is just again a huge incredible honor to be part of this let us begin tonight's program joining us now is Miss Flicka Ron one of our most beloved listeners. I'm going to have her with us. You can learn more about her by going to her website at theacaros.com. The I-C-A-R-O-S.com. Miss Ron, honored to have you with us today. Thank you for being on the program. Absolute pleasure to be here, Ryan. Just delighted. Thank you. I can't believe you're delighted. Somebody must have had a couple glasses of wine. But uh, that's <laughs> no, actually, I am. I'm delighted to be here. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so, like, we had a conversation about how you utilized sound to further your evolution. I thought it was really fascinating. And then you yeah. saying how you had these a couple of these really amazing experiences, almost like mystical experiences. Can you please talk about those mystical experiences and how they brought you to? where you are as far as your current evolutionary trajectory goes. Absolutely. Uh, well, the, actually, the, the first one that I had was when I was um, uh, I was a little girl, about eight years old. Um, and I can remember um, we lived in Corpus Christi, Texas, and very often I would go outside and lie on the sidewalk and watch the clouds. Well, on this particular day, I was... Um, I was there humming to myself, as little girls do, um, being already introduced to sound and music because my parents were professional musicians. And I was a little singer and, and uh, took piano lessons. So it was a, a really comforting way that I had of just singing to myself. So I was singing, and uh, I looked up at the clouds, and there was this uh, – incredible awareness that came over me so much so that a, a like a little eight-year-old was uh i was uh i knew that this was something really extraordinary 
uh, I felt as though I was not in my body anymore, that I was part of the expanse of sky above me. I felt part of the clouds. Um, and I, uh, it was so uh, remarkable that I will never forget how things smelled, how they feel. I mean, it's when you remember something like that, the sensory um, memories are so sharp. Um, so that was the first experience I had. I couldn't make sense of it then. Uh, I understand now what really happened to me, but it was the first time. Um, so I went on to live my life, and I went to college and got my degree in music and uh, ultimately ended up uh, at the college level, university level, teaching uh, singing. So the second experience happened uh, when I was uh, in my early 30s. I was traveling from Philadelphia to back to Boston, where I lived uh, with my uh, my husband and my daughter, and uh, I've been to my uncle's funeral, and I had my heart was just really open with all the love that the family had shared. I was listening to a piece called the Pachelbel's Canon, uh, which is a beautiful orchestral piece um, that I love and. Um, maybe many people know of this piece, um, but I, again, it was just without warning, I felt I was surrounded. Here I was on the turnpike driving. I was surrounded in, in white light, and it was as if I was in a tube of, of love. I was being saturated with bliss, and I tears started rolling down my face. I had to pull over to the side of the road, and I don't know how long I was in that uh, that incredible experience, but it was I did not want to leave. If I could have stayed there, I would have. But uh, and again, I have no idea how long I was there. But when I was back, it was like I I have to get there again. I have experienced something extraordinary. It's amazing. And I I knew that music was the bridge over. I knew that. Ryan. So that became my goal. How can I do this for other people? How can I show them where that bridge is? How well, can I lead them? I want to ask you a couple of things. First off, I used to live in Connecticut, and mm-hmm. I I would never live in that cesspool. If you live in there right now, it's it's just crazy. So I, that's probably the best thing I've ever heard actually ever happen to anyone in the state of well, Connecticut. So on the Connecticut term, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I used to drive the Connecticut term. Nothing ever could happen on the Connecticut. And look at you. you. You're surrounded by white light and those wonderful things happening. I'm wondering, from your perspective, <laughs> did you ever get the sense that um, you may have been – dealing with some kind of uh, intelligence that had not of this world was communicating with you at that point in time? Or did you find that when this experience was happening, were you seeking it? Were you in a, a very sad place? Were you in a dark place? Were you calling out for a, for a sign? No. It just happened? Oh, n- not at all, Ryan. Oh. No. Uh, that was – I was – it was like I was wrapped in, in angelic wings, but I was – you know, I, my – my uncle's passing was I, I would miss him, but it was not this this grief laden feeling. It was like I I am I am melding with something that is far beyond my personality, and it, it was that remarkable and that it was it was so sweet and so pure and so full of love that that I was 
I was forever, I've been changed since that moment. And that is, and I knew that music had a part in that. So that has been the driving force. And then, then I began to say, how did that happen? How can I get back there? And that began this whole stream of research that I've been um, doing since that period on sacred music and music that has been used traditionally with indigenous peoples and throughout history, uh, Egypt, India, Africa. I studied all of that and wanted to know what is it about your music that allows people to go into trance? Because I felt like that's what happened to me. I was not in this world. I was someplace else. That's amazing. And when you were listening to the music, uh, was there any specific type of music that you remember hearing that triggered this? And I remember we had a conversation a long time ago with Dick Sutton, the metaphysical teacher. It's awesome. He said that when you people yeah. go to church, they hear music in a certain beat, and it puts them in a trance to be submissive to authority. I'll never forget that conversation because I've never walked into any... Uh, religious or spiritual organization and not been aware about that and try to block things out because I don't want to be hypnotized and be you know trained to be submissive and I'm wondering if the experience that you had if it allowed your brain to be receptive to energies and frequencies that are already there or maybe it was something that allowed you to shut your brain down and just allow your mm. brain to become a non-factor and put you more mm-hmm. in a sense of spirit. So I'm curious, like, uh, what your thoughts were well, about that. What, what I know now is that um, the the thinking, you know, the the left brain, the thinking, the analytical side of your brain keeps you uh, from. I'll just speak for myself. Keeps me away from those feelings of uh, uh, being released into this uh, altered reality where I go now very often, um, and I use music to do that. But there are there are specific uh, beat patterns that allow the brain to be uh, t- to let that side of the brain relax, so that you are in this more suggestive state. So. Yes, I would agree with you, although I never heard that or even considered that. That's very interesting. Um, if you will recall, a lot of uh, indigenous peoples use drumming as a way of entering trance. And um, the drumming, the repetition of those specific kinds of beats has been proven to put uh, parts of the brain asleep that are aware of the physical surroundings. So um, drumming has been used for uh, people to uh, be um, um, have other spirits come into them be, and um, to channel. Um, so yes, uh, rhythm is is a very um, potent way of entering into altered space. Um, also, um, um, harmonic repetition, the drones that you hear in um, the Indian ragas, that also has a uh, effects on people and their um, and their awareness. I specifically wanted to find out how can I help people understand that they are far greater than the drama and the trauma of living within our personality because we all have that person and that's what comes with the personality. But we are far greater than just the personality. How can you get past that? You know, to who you really are. That 
has been my goal. And that's uh, awesome. That's study. really awesome. You listen to some people like what are your goals? Like I, I want to pay my mortgage down in a certain period of time, and I want to make sure I can watch TV without commercial. And Nixie, you know, it's like, what are you trying to do? It's like, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this this thing with sound. I love it. I, just, I love it. I, yeah. I love the goal-oriented, uh, how driven our listeners are. It's just, it's, just it's, it's such a relief. It's awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that is the gift I want to make. I mean, I want to leave this world by giving that gift. And um, so I've written a book, Ryan, um, and I have a CD. Those listeners, when they are when they go to that uh, website, the Icaros, they will be able to uh, listen to some of my music because I've built my music on this knowledge and what I've discovered. Um, so it, it, it is a way of entering trance in a way that's, that's uh, you know, safe and, and beautiful and full of love. Um, and it can be that way. Well, you know, it doesn't cool. have to carry dogma. That's Mm-mm. awesome. Uh, when you... When people hear something, I'm wondering how quickly does it take for your brain to kind of switch over? Because we've studied Tony Robbins, and I love Uh that talks about you know getting yourself into an optimal state. And he he had this really amazing visual brain technique where you'd say you know you visualize something, and then when you're at that peak of this visualization and you're feeling it, you squeeze your wrist, you squeeze your fingers, so you can just do that and automatically be triggered into that particular state. How quickly mm-hmm. does it take the brain, from your experience, to get triggered into a receptive state where you can have this profound, beautiful experience like the ones you've described? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I can tell you. Um, uh, about four or five minutes, and that is, um, you know, you're listening. Are, are you, do you know anything about binaural beats, Ryan? Okay. So the, the, the music that I use, and I'm also a a sound therapist, so I, I do this as um, it, so is, awesome. it is the next step for me um, past my university work, um, is to to allow people at least four or five minutes um, listening to binaural beats of music that is calm and um, beautiful and relaxing in which they can enter these, these um, calmer states. Uh, definitely alpha state, which is the state of daydreaming, and then you know you can visualize beautiful things coming, and it's calm. And the state below that is theta, which is um, the, the state of, of visualizing trance. Um, that's the trance state, and then the lower one is delta, which is sleep. Uh, but most of a population uh, uh, wanders around in beta, which is high alert and carries a lot of uh, anxious energy. And sometimes we need that, clearly. That's why it's built into us. But to stay in that state, that beta state, is very destructive to your health um, because you will not be able to heal in beta state because that's beta is like looking on the savanna for all the lions that are hiding in the grass. So you you don't want to be doing that constantly. You want to be able to you know just sit down and eat a sandwich. <laughs> that's all. That's why um, you brought that up because uh, it's not just on the radio show. I've talked about it in PR too, and talking about how the mm-hmm. country and the world seems to be in this perpetual crisis of now. Every single thing that happens in the news is a crisis, and everyone needs to gather on that crisis. And I I'm burned out on it. I don't want to engage it. I you know just, 
I don't think the whole world. I know the world's crazy, but I don't think it's it's a do or die just situation every single second of the day. And they feel like they they're trying to burn you out on this, so you eventually become domesticated and you don't have any real way of responding to a genuine threat. So I'm really glad you said that. No, I, I totally agree. I agree. It, it, and it's like keeping people in fear is one way you can keep them, um, yeah, to, uh, wanting and needing and, and dominating because they're 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 afraid. When you're afraid, you can't think. It's because the you know the the cerebral cortex shuts down because it's that lower back brain that comes online, and you just want to survive. So no, you cannot cannot sustain good health or good mental. Um, health at that state. Constant beta. No. Uh, and it, when I've gone to your site, again, the website is the Acaros, T-H-E-I-C-A-R-O-S dot com. Talk about mm-hmm. what you can do for all the chakras. So, I know we've, oh. talked, we've talked about chakras before and we've gotten to another show, but how does that, how does healing or listening to a sound and balancing a chakra have any impact or how does it work with your brain? Because, say for example, you are in a relaxed theta or delta state. Just by mm-hmm. being in that state alone, do all of your other chakras get affected? Or do you have to like listen to a certain beat from one chakra to another chakra to another chakra? And is that something completely different than balancing your brain to get your brain in a relaxed state? Okay. It's my belief is the whole thing is this kind of gestalt map. So it all works together. Um, and uh what I believe is that certainly chakras each have their specific duties and they process different information and they collect uh, energy from the environment uh, and we want all of them to be working together. But I think the first state is to calm the brain because if the brain is not calm, those, those chakras are going to be uh, shut down and um, tight. So um, there are lots of ways you can calm the brain down so that the chakras then have the chance to do what they are supposed to do, and that is to exchange energy with the environment uh, or the biofield around you, let's put it that way. And if you think more in quantum terms rather than um, in, in terms of matter, then the whole thing starts to make sense. Um, but, the, I mean, everything in our environment is at, at the base level a quantum world. That's a subatomic. It's all vibration. It's all frequency. That's everything. And uh, the chakras work well when your brain is is calm and you're in a state of coherence. That means the heart is open and the brain is is working at optimum levels. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question yes. at all. Yes, okay. We are. Answer the question at all. And then uh, what I want to ask you is, you told me that you've taken ayahuasca. And I've taken ayahuasca as well. I think it's a life-changing experience. And for those of you who haven't taken it, I encourage you just to learn about it. It, It's it's not for everyone. And I think it, it is a courageous act to do because it really is the ultimate place of stepping out of a comfort zone. And mm-hmm. what I want to ask you is, right now, the way we know the world, apparently our maybe our comfort zone is to know that we're in a body right now because this is what we've known most of our lives. We were in the body. We focus on walking around the body. But mm-hmm. when you get to these altered state of perceptions, when you really tune into sound, 
is it wise to become comfortable with the idea of not having your body be the ultimate comfort zone? Just to, to know the to become comfortable with the idea of your consciousness being all over the place. You have to be comfortable with the idea that your consciousness, your main focal point, could be sound or could be all things. What do you recommend as a uh, best way of focusing your attention, consciousness-wise, if you seek to grow and expand your perception? Well, I think the the seekers, uh, I mean, the, the 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 passionate seeker will want to know who they are apart from just this physical body, and that that was my. I mean, it was. I mean, I was a fervent. I still am a fervent seeker. So I wanted to know. I would go to the ends of the world, and specifically Peru, to find out what is beyond this body or what is beyond the veil of the mat of matter. And uh, ayahuasca allowed me to see myself in uh, other lives. So I, I know now that who I am will. It's never died and it's never born. It just continues. It's this, it is this, uh, landscape of just moving into a different body with a different, different experiences. And what ayahuasca allowed me to see is the reason behind it all and the reason behind all these lives. And that has been, I mean, the most profound gift and comfort to me. Is that I uh, that I understood that at an experiential level. I just don't. I just didn't believe it. I experienced it, and I also saw sound. I saw it. I saw sound uh, with my eyes open, and it was glorious. Just extraordinary. That's really Beautiful. awesome. I think when yeah. you when you when you experience it, you feel it. It's just, it could be amazing. Yeah. And again, the part of the show is that we're interviewing our listeners, and I just find it fascinating, in your particular case, about what you're doing and the path that you're on. Why do you seek? What drives you to become a seeker? Because not everyone out there is doing it. A lot of people are just comfortable with, with watching TV and then doing the 9 to 5 and shutting their brain off with a bunch of beers. I mean, why is it that you seek? What is your drive and passion to seek? Oh, wow, Ryan, I'm getting all teary thinking, you know, so you're bringing up something that um, it's like this is this is so ingrained in me to to know. And um, I, I, I don't know if I can even answer that question, um, but it is it has been I'm I'm an adventurer. I you know, I will always step to the edge to see how I do. Um, and I'm willing to step off the cliff and see how I can fly. So uh, there is really nothing that I'm afraid of because I see, I know that there is no death really. Um, and the whole adventure in this, this incredible mystical gift that we're giving of living in a body. I mean, think about it. This is, uh, uh it, it just, the gratitude is just, um, overflowing and stunning yes stunning thank you so much and the final question i have for you mm -hmm. is what is the best piece of advice you can offer to someone especially our listeners who are on that path what can they do to enhance their ability to find more discover more learn more 
Well, everyone has uh, their own, their, you know, the, their chosen path as what feels comfortable. Some people it may be, it may be yoga. Some people it may be chanting. Some people it may be meditation. Um, and, and it really doesn't matter as if if your goal is to get to source. And when you get to source, you'll find that it is you. And that is the most mind-blowing um, uh, adventure of all. So uh, don't ever give up. Just keep keep opening to every new day because once you have that desire and that, that question, who am I really, those experiences will just flood onto your horizon. And all you do is just step into the next one. And it's a very gentle and beautiful path. Well, that is awesome. Ms. Flickeron, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Again, another one of our most incredible listeners coming on the show talking about their experiences. You learn more about Flicka by going to our website at theacaros.com. T-H-E-I-C-A-R-O-S.com. Ms. Ron, thank you so much. Thank you. It's just wonderful to speak with you, Ryan. Thank you. Joining us now is another one of our beloved listeners, Ms. Carla Jelinski. Ms. Jelinski is one of our listeners in South Africa. So, Out of Limits of Inner Truth is global. Ms. Jelinski, great honor to have you with us. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So, can you please tell us a little bit about your path, your background? What are some of the tools that you've utilized to increase your own perception? Um, for me personally, it's been uh, listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, I've been in contact via email and newsletter and websites with Hay House, um, a book. My mom gave me a book in my 20s when I was living in the UK, early 20s, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. So that was kind of my first insight into, into reading about thought patterns and how we create things. Um, I, I was in my early 20s and I was in London having an adventure, so I wasn't really um, deep about it all. Um, my daughter went and lived to go live in Durban, which is another province, to go live with her father. So since then, I've been on an incredible journey of basically, Ryan, um, every abandonment issue, rejection issue, shame, I- every kind of issue that I've possibly had as a child and an adult, I've pretty much had to face head on. Um, and it's been through the podcast of um, Hay House, uh, listening to various different speakers and I've come across you that um, I've managed to get a bit more of an understanding of the spirit world and energy forms and more meaning and purpose in my life. Excellent. And what would you say would have been maybe two of your your best insights in the course of your journey? Wow. There's been so many. Um, um, to answer that question, I'd have to say one of the biggest things on this journey is accepting myself with all its um, quirks and strengths. Um, also, another thing that um, I'm, I'm in the pro- process of also still working through is paying no attention to other people's opinions. As I said to you, I I grew up having eczema, so the way people responded to me, um, not just through words, but body language, um, facial expression and stuff, um, I had eczema, which was 
very uncommon in the 70s and 80s, especially here in South Africa. Um, so my mom took me to lots of like alternative kind of places. She took me to churches. She took me to um, Chinese medicine um, people, what she tells me. Um, and basically... I think that's I've forgotten the question, Ryan. I'm very embarrassed. No, it's about like, your 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 two um, couple of your best insights. Oh, about about uh, the opinions of other people. So I'm I, I have been and I am sensitive to the opinions of others, and that's not just through verbal. It's also through kind of sight. I don't have eczema anymore. It's something I, I grew when I was about 12 years old. But there were still scars that were healing. And, in fact, um, I'm very blessed. My skin is ma- magical. It's, it's healed. There's a few scars, but not very many at all. Um, and just kind of this path and, and working with children, which is what I do, is kind of understanding children's behaviors and how parents and role models and adults in our life influence so much about the way we believe about ourselves and, and um conditionings and limited patterns so the law the question that you asked i would say accepting myself in all its glory as well as paying no attention or little attention to other people's opinions of me i love that second one because i think that once you really embrace that life just becomes so much more fun i mean you could pretty i think you make people i think you make people uncomfortable when you know that their opinion doesn't matter to you, it's it's like a liberation. I always feel like it's, it's absolutely amazing. How do you grow? I mean, when you do you uh, is it firsthand experience? Are you more inclined to, to hear things? Do you see things? Do you read things? Like where where do you what form of information do, resonates with you the deepest? Personal life experience personal life experience and the one thing that I like about your show and you in particular is the questions that you ask with regard to you know what is our purpose of being here can we choose not to come back in the next <laughs> life um, and the one thing that I kind of reassure myself with um, from listening to your, your show is, is that um, I feel that all these lessons and I've had quite a quite a quite a lot of life experience um hopefully there won't be many more (laughs) or i'm hoping that what i've been going through is the last the last carnation of of my lifetime on this plane it's it's rough it can be really rough and also human beings i mean you get the impression that you you're a stranger here that you know you came here for one purpose but you kind of like were shocked at the mentality of people because i i rarely feel feel at home here. I mean, I love my family. I feel comfortable with them. But outside of my family, I feel like, like an alien on this planet in, in so many ways. And I feel, look at, look at nature, how beautiful it is. I resonate with that, but not, not the human conscious level. And sometimes, you know, the, Carl, I don't know if you hear about this, but they say, well, certain people are here to raise the, the level. They're here to help. Yes. But it's like, you know, yes. it's, it's kind of like, Maybe you got to cut your losses and leave. Maybe because not everyone wins in the end. I mean, not every, yeah. so. Maybe this is you know. You, we try. We give our best shot, and hey, time time to get out. Time to go get to the next place. <laughs> um, I have to be honest with you. There've been um, a few dark nights of the soul, and I've certainly felt that way. Um, 
this is the first time I've ever been on my own um, when my daughter left. So I've had a lot of time to be in my thoughts, to be in my heart. Um, I, I think a lot. Um, this, but this time that I've had on my own listening to so many podcasts, and I don't have a TV. I haven't had a TV since I left Paul at the end of April. Um, sometimes it's a little bit like information overload, but I still love it. I keep, keep listening. Um, it's um, life experience, personal life experience. I have a deeper understanding of myself and my patterns, my behaviors, the way I think due to the experiences that I have been through. And I feel that, um, you know, I'm coming to the realization that through these life experiences, I kind of have more to offer other people. I, I work with children and parents, so that helps me give and have a bigger understanding for them and their experiences. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Carl, you can listen to a bunch of other programs before. I'm just curious, is there anything that particularly stands out about our show that um, resonates with you? Is there anything that you think that we, we could be doing differently or be doing better? Um, I, I'm, I'm new to your show, so everything that you're doing, I absolutely love. I love every every part of it. I like the shadow one. Oh, I have to tell you, there was, you know, the atheist talk you had? Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that talk. It was very interesting. I did find the guy a little bit like <laughs> having to defend his beliefs quite um, aggressively. Yeah. Um, and um, with a bit of impatience, but um, I, I love everything about your show. Thank I'm you. Honestly, it's, it's, it's fascinating and it resonates and, and it gives meaning and purpose. And it's, I don't have people in my life right now that I can really speak to on such a deep level. So being able to have podcasts and your show to listen to makes me feel like I am a part of a community, even though I'm in a different country. Well, absolutely. Well, Carla, I'm in the, we're, we're in the same country. I'm in the same country with people, and I'm, I feel like I'm from a completely different planet. So I want to let you know, like, right now, welcome to a uh, wonderful community. You are part of our show, and we're, you're, part, you. you're a part of our hearts and a part of our life. And Carla, it is a great honor to have you with us. Thank you so much thank for being you with so us. Much. And thank you so much for listening to the show. It's great. Thank you, Ryan. I, honestly, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's it's so enlightening, and it keeps me keeps me moving forward with momentum, hopefully. <laughs> Joining us now is Crystal Mobs, longtime Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show listener. Crystal, it's a great honor to have you with us. Thanks, Ryan. It's always an honor to be a part of your life and, and show in the Outer Limits. Thank you. Crystal, what has been part of your evolution? Where have you – why – what are you – what causes you to seek and how have you changed and progressed in the last couple of years? Well, I think I'm pretty generic when it comes to childhood, you know, the whole church aspect of God, afterlife, angels. Um, and I kind of followed that because I had no choice as a child. And then as I became an adult, I kind of drifted from the whole you have to follow these guidelines, and the only way to enjoy an afterlife was A, B, and C with bullet points after the A, B, and C, and I kind of just opened my eyes and kind of not dove into other um, aspects of religion or beliefs, but kind of took a step back and soaked them in, and then it wasn't until you know, 2017 in June, and I lost the man I was supposed to, you know, spend my life with. We were supposed to raise our two girls with. 
just have this life of forever and growing old together, um, I became a widow at the age of 31. Yeah, I was 31. And it was at that moment when I was so, so, so broken. I just started diving and throwing myself into any and all levels of the afterlife communication. Um, I just needed comfort and healing. And I stumbled across the outer limits and you began my journey of healing and I, I dropped every and all levels of any past, you know, certain bullet points of having a belief system. And I just dove into spirituality and I know there's an afterlife and I know there's no certain guidelines and with your help and some help of others, I, I am a full believer, and I have you to thank for that. Oh, thank you, Crystal. Very touched, but it's also you're, you're, it's your own progression. You know, you're, you're doing it on your own, and you're seeking it out, and we can only present something. It's, um, it's a great honor. I'm very touched you would say that. In the midst of all that pain, were you seeking a savior-type mentality in a form of a, of a religion or spirituality? Were you seeking to cure pain? Were you seeking just to have a greater perception of why we are really here? What did that pain and suffering ultimately do or has put you on the path of as far as your perception goes? I think what I was ultimately trying to seek out is um, that our loved ones are still with us. They're experiencing life with us. I was trying to figure out, you know, when I transition is what life is going to be like after that. Will I be with Jeff again? Will we be a man and wife? Will we hold hands? I was trying to seek, you know, um, in the beginning, what I was really trying to seek because I had a lot of self guilt. They call it survivor's guilt. Why wasn't it me as well? Like, why did this happen? Had I made different choices that night, would Jeff still have transitioned? Would his life here on earth be over? I needed to um, have a comfort that no matter what had happened, that it was just time to leave this earth because in my mind, my heart and soul knew that, yes, it was his time. My mind never for one second allowed, allowed me to believe that. So I needed comfort to know that nothing could have prevented this. And, you know, your show helped, helped me with that as in, you know, it, it's, I guess I'm, I remember who it was I was speaking with, someone that you um, hooked me up with, and I had a session with her, uh, and well, she told me that we all – yeah, Lisa. Um, she, you know, yeah, Crystal, like, it was his time. Like, there's nothing we can do when it's our time, it's our time. And, yes, miracles do happen. However, they only happen if they're meant to happen. If it's someone's time – you know, they're knocking on the door, but it's not their time. Guess what? It's not going to happen. And people perceive those as miracles because we know no better. We don't know what our soul contract holds. So in our simple minds being, it's, it's a miracle. But in all actuality, it's just our soul's contract and the way we're supposed to live our life. And, yes, free will kicks into place, and it's a real jerk sometimes. But I needed someone – whether it was you, Lisa, a friend on the street to just reassure me over and over and over that there's nothing 
I could have done differently to change the outcome. When it is our time, it is our time, regardless of the how. And once I was able to um, grab footing on that, I was able to be like, I need to know, you know, I need validations that Jeff is with me. I need this, I need this, I need that. And then that just creates a whole nother door that's opened that someone needs to cross through when they're grieving. You close the door on one and another one opens and it's a continuous hallway of doors opening and closing. And I believe it's been almost 16 months from his passing. And I can still tell you, I, I still have questions that have been answered. And I think it's just a part of the cycle of grief. Um, I know you and I have kind of talked about, um, you know, the cliche things that people say when our loved ones pass away. And I think one of the biggest ones is time heals. And I'm going to say right here, right now, time does not heal. Time allows you to have a morning when you wake up and you are laughing and you forget about the pain. And then you go to bed and you're like, wow, I didn't feel that pain. But guess what? The next morning you wake up and that pain is there. That's not that's not healing. That's just a, your mind giving you a break from the grieving. You want to know what time does do? Time allows you to forget. I, I, I find myself, you know, today even, what, what I did Jeff always wink at me through? Was it his right? Was it his left? You know, what's, what, what side did Jeff always sleep on? Was it his right? Was it like, you just forget. Time allows you to forget the smallest little memories and details that you have of your loved one. And then that creates a whole nother door that is opened and you battle with that. How, how dare I forget? How can I not remember? And, and grief, grief is ugly. It's so ugly and it never ends. Jeez. I'm, I'm so sorry that what you've gone through and I believe that what you just said is going to offer a lot of help to people. And on our show, Crystal, we have a lot of different teachers and some people, I guess, they'll listen to one teacher, and it, maybe some they sometimes they think that okay, well, I can open up another door, and I can open up another door of perception, and there I can evolve to a higher, a higher state. And I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, but sometimes you you just want to get to a place of of just happiness. Maybe you're just curious. Where are you? I mean, where do you see yourself going? I mean, are you seeking to to learn from more teachers, or are you seeking to, you know, come to terms of what has happened to you and find some inner peace there first, and kind of just take things from there? Um, I think, I think everyone does come to a level of peace. I think I have, I've found that level of peace. Um, I can laugh with my daughter and I can watch her, you know, she just learned to walk and I find peace because I dove so deep into spirituality. And when I say spirituality, I don't put a label on, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Buddhist. I'm, I'm none of those. I am a spiritualist where I dove into your show. I dove into other podcasts of I want to connect with my guides, with my angels. I want to connect with my loved ones on the other side. Um, You and I have spoke and I have shared with you every single night. I sit on our bed and I hold my hands out for Jeff to hold because I know he's sitting right there. And some people may be like, man, this girl's kind of crazy. But I believe he's sitting there, and I talk to him every night. I do. I oh, turn on the radio, and rap songs come on, and I know he's right there <laughs> with me rapping. And, and I think once someone finds the comfort that our loved ones are here, they can kind of be like, okay, I got this. And then they jump 
to the next door. And now I'm at the point where I just want to grow spiritually and I want to shine light to those who feel so lost in their grief that, you know what, we we're, we're feeling this grief together, but I'm living proof that you can find yourself some sort of peace and laughter and joy. And those days are going to come when you're crying, but it's up to you on how much you want those days of crying to really affect where you're at with your soul journey. And I've chosen to take Jeff's passing and shine love and light all over the world. I mean, I've talked to other young widows and guided them to the point where I'm at of accepting, but to a certain level of accepting, because I don't think I'm ever going to fully accept the, the fact that he's not with us. But um, I'm just learning. I'm learning just as much as the next person. So I'm just hoping to be able to speak out today and someone listening and be like, you know what? I'm with this chick. Like, I can do this. I got Oh, this. we are all with this chick. Crystal, and... <laughs> 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 yeah. the last question. Oh, God. Yeah, is, is there any thought, word, or affirmation that you've come across that you feel, no matter what, offers you the greatest amount of joy and consolation or just makes you laugh and just keeps you going? You know, the things that just keep me going are, you know, I think, I think since I'm such a, a believer in the afterlife and, you know, I'm open minded and my eyes are open to it all. When a person gets signs from their loved one, it's just like, okay, I got this. I got this. Um, and I don't think it takes anything special for someone to get those signs. Um, but you'll get them in the moments when you need them the most. You'll get them. So that's my affirmation that just keeps me going, you know? Awesome. Crystal Moss, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for being a, a listener. And I, I love your suggestions and um, thought you offered a lot of great insight for people today. So, Crystal, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is Mr. Ari Menino, longtime listener to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. And yet this gentleman is still considered sane. Ari, welcome to the program. Great honor to have you with us. Hi, Ryan. How you doing? I'm doing unbelievable. I remember um, some time ago we spoke, gave you some honest feedback about the show, and very helpful. A lot of great advice. And you responded. You responded. And, and, and I, was, uh, I was impressed. I think ne what next show by next show it was fixed. It's, yeah, you know? I, I gotta I gotta improve things. I gotta stop acting yeah. cranky. By the way, you know what? I've noticed something because I think my wife said something. I think I've been crankier than usual. Do you think I'm? I'm it might. Do I sound like I have menopause on the show lately? No. I apologize if I do. <laughs> if any, I, I haven't noticed. I okay. haven't noticed. Uh, then don't come across. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> enough about my cranky mental issues. I'm really glad you came on because. We're featuring our listeners on this particular program, and all right, I want to ask you about your journey. When did your journey begin? What do you? How would you say you progressed in your life? And what have been some of yeah, the biggest well, life lessons? Gee, I mean, I think that. Um, uh, well, I grew up Catholic, you know, and um, uh, we were not particularly practicing or anything like that. So there was always that notion. Well, I just call it a notion of the of a spiritual reality and spiritual life, 
but I don't think it ever applied to me, you know, especially as a child. You're just so focused on your immediate world and whatever. And it was only until, you know, as you grow up, you start facing, like, difficulties and whatever. And then you start considering, well, you know, maybe this prayer stuff, you know, maybe there's something to that. And uh, you start applying that, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But that's uh, the first time when you you had more than just a notion and you started considering, well, maybe there is a reality to it. And uh, and I must say that um, after a while, when I st- started having like some really uh, serious issues with anxiety and so forth, and I started uh, meditating, you know, as part of, uh, of the self-regimen that I put myself into, when uh, it turned from, say, some uh, notion to some consideration into an actual um, reality where I said, okay, there is, you know, the, the, there is this spiritual reality, which we know very little about, uh, but which can be explored. And I must say that it, I mean, it helped me a lot. Because so it I'm just curious, me. when you're meditating and you're saying that you're, you're examining this reality, so what is it? That you're latching on to are you, are you feeling or sensing well frequency? i mean for example the the uh i think i think the the, the first instance of, of of real help or real uh assistance from the spiritual was like uh, i was able to carve out a, a space of peace within me which i didn't have like uh because i was like so anxious all the time or whatever and then uh as i meditate i was able to carve out this island i would I'd call it of peace uh, that I was able to focus on in which grew. It was something that I could feel as a real space in which I was able to walk into. And that was like, you know, my first instance of, of saying, okay, so there's something to it. And um, beyond that aspect of self-centeredness, you know, I have uh, tried um, uh, to make some sort of a jump where you can actually just uh, make it not so much about uh an improvement or or, or, some, or sensation of peace, but rather, okay, is it possible to, uh, for example, you know, I know how some people are mediums and so forth. I don't think I have mediumic uh, capabilities or anything like that, but a, uh, little by little, I try to open myself to that possibility and uh, say, well, you know, there's something out there that, that helps. Well, then, so be it. And besides that, you know, I try to read uh, about um, what, what, People might have to say about spirituality. Of course, people who've had like near-death experiences uh, are a favorite topic of mine. And I must say that I, I thank you because it was through your show that uh, I learned about one of these uh, fabulous databases that contain a lot of uh, near-death experiences. And uh, and also some of the writings uh, of uh, many people. Uh, I can't remember the name of, of this. I think it was like uh, this uh, young a uh, couple of, of brothers who died in a car accident, and they did some remote riding through their mom. And I think it was beautiful. It's like I think the name was uh, uh, God's Laws or uh, the Laws of the Spiritual World, something like that. I can't remember the title exactly. But things like that help in terms of focusing and making it crystal clear that there is, there is a, you know, a reality uh, beyond our own, and it's vast because from all accounts, now, it, it's it's yeah. Is your journey as you, are you are you really focused on 
discovering this new uh, this this unseen world or becoming uh, in touch with this unseen world? Or is that uh, yeah I, yeah? I mean, I'm always I'm always um, that that is um, sort of like a goal. Unfortunately, I don't know that there is much that you can do about it except be open to it. That is, for example, uh, at least my notion of faith is that. You know, whenever uh, your spirit guides or whatever think that you're ready for it or that you deserve it or that you're, it's good on you, then they're, they're the ones who will make some sort of an approach. I don't think that necessarily, at least not for me, because I, I don't feel that I'm particularly gifted. And it irks me when I hear when, you know, all of those great mediums say, oh, everybody has the capacity. No, no, they don't. Some people get yeah, a, yeah. Like, someone sees the angels like, oh, I have friends that are angelic. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't get that. Yeah, I I know. I mean, the only the only the only experience that I can narrate that I remember um, where I actually had some uh, some sort of like really um, unusual experience is I remember uh, um, I had this when I was uh, in college I had this girlfriend we had this this very good relationship and I remember we were talking on one occasion and we felt this energy just flow between us it was like something that I didn't and it was so physical. That we both felt it. And we were looking at each other like, what, you know, what the hell is this? It was moving through, like, from my belly to hers and then from her belly to mine, just wow. going back and forth, went back and forth a couple of occasions. And I remember after that, you know, we started crying. We said, what the hell was that? I don't know. And that was so unusual because, you know, it was uh, not only, not only, the, I mean, we both felt it. So we were able to, um, I should say, self-verify this among the two of us. So it was, uh, it was quite something. That's but really, other than that, I don't think I've had too many other instances where I can say, okay, I've had some, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, unusual experience. That anyone can say, okay, that's 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 really unusual. I want to ask you this because I want everyone else who's listening to this to to ask themselves the same question: Is when you hear the show or when you are learning, where do you find that you get most moved? Is it through visualization? Is it through listening? Is it through kinesthetic where you actually feel it? Because when this knowledge of frequency is coming out, I always wonder if it is approaching all different ways. People think that, you know, sometimes, it, okay, well, if I learn something, I've got to learn it in the intellectual mindset. And you could be adapting and learning things on levels that you may not fully understand, but they may f- creep into your waking reality without even realizing. So I was curious about how you learn. Yeah, and I think I think – uh, different people are, are geared differently. Like some people, like you say, they're, they're synesthetic, and they may uh, they may find themselves um, feeling something um, that something moves them inside, or getting a sensation or a notion of, of movement or whatever. Uh, I'm I'm both. Um, I think I'm both intellectual and also like synesthetic, as you say. Yeah. So I sort of like uh, chew on it, and I like. Um, well, I was. Just mentioned to you how I, I you know, I, I go to the gym and whatever, and that's that's what I usually like to listen to the show. I put on my my earphones and I then just go into this rote routine where I just go into like an elliptical machine or something like that, and I listen to it, and I get into this um, almost like a meditative state where I'm, you know, I suspend any any other um, stimuli or anything like that except for, you know, just what's going on in the show. And uh, and I think that that helps uh, because um, if, if you go into this particular thing where you're doing something very, uh, what is it, very uh, repetitive, um, it, it, it keeps...
keeps away any other distraction. Uh, what is it? But I think uh, that I ruminate because that's that's a good word uh, on, on what's being spoken. And sometimes, you know, I, I try to be. Um, uh, I, I apply skepticism. I go, okay, you know, like I don't know, I don't know where this is going. I don't know about this guy or whatever. And uh, but for the most part, you know, it's just it's I just I just absorb as much information as I can. What would you say would be a couple of the best pieces of advice you can offer to someone on how to attain um, the happiest life that they can they can have? Oh boy, I mean that is that's a, that's an interesting question. But I think you know, I mean, then from from all that I hear, you know, it all goes back uh, pretty much the same. And it is, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's good to have a passion for self betterment and improvement and so forth. But I think that uh, at least in the society that we live in, we do it uh, so much at the expense of of our of our peace of mind. That is, we we just uh, pursue all of these you know the, the, all these material gains and all of these uh, a. Uh, um, how should I say uh, ego trips and all these, uh, um, all of that effort uh, to rise and to be notorious and whatever, and and that's yeah that's that's part of what makes America America. You know, we're, we're competitive. We like competition and we like to rise through that competition. But I think that um, a lot of people are uh, are doing that at the expense uh, of their peace of mind. That is, they do that. Without setting aside time uh, to uh, to reconnect with their inner being and with their present experience, that is, because when you're following these things, you're either thinking about the, mostly thinking about the future, hopefully, but a lot of people are then thinking about the past, uh, and and you don't set aside time to return to your to your present moment. That is, to meditate and to sit down and make time for your present moment. And I think that uh, the more that you can return to that present moment and live it fully, I think that you realize that that uh, everything that happens happens in the present, and the present is the moment where you most live your life. And and I think that um, that the more that you can return to that, uh, you realize that that it is a a uh, a ceaseless a ceaseless fountain of of uh, of peace and of the light, and uh, the more that you can reconnect with that, uh, I think you you find more fulfillment as opposed to, yeah, I mean it, it's good to get like you know like uh, the latest car and you know all the latest uh, since you know thrills of the senses, uh, you know they're fine, but up to a point, I don't think that you ever find um, uh, the level of fulfillment doing those things necessarily than you would uh, through uh, discovering this present moment. And I think Eckhart Paul has spoken about this uh, very eloquently, many more, much more than I can say. Uh, so it is focus on that. I think it's just turn to that, turn your attention to that. And I think uh, you'll find uh, an abundance, an abundance of uh, a, a fulfillment and peace on that. Mr. Ari Menino, and thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing. Well, yeah, well, thanks. This is this has been this has been such a pleasure, and it's an you know, expected pleasure. Well, so, you know, it's awesome. It's you know, after this another interview, and once again, I realize that I'm the student doing a show for the teacher. So uh, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for your calls and your insights. It's a great honor to have you with us, Ari.
We'll keep the lines open. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is another longtime listener, Miss Meg Donahue. She is also co-founder of Mama Says, and you can learn more about her by going to her website at Mama Says, M-A-M-A-S-E-Z-Z.com. Mama Says is a plant-based meal preparation and delivery service. I've had several of their dishes, and they are delicious. Miss Donahue, it is a great honor and pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Ryan. I am delighted to be here. I adore your show and uh, catch it on replay or live whenever I can. Well, even if you said you thought the show was awful and it carried your insomnia, (laughs) we have you on anyway. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So we actually, I mean, I love that we reached out and we actually had the pleasure of doing PR for you. I was wondering, can you please tell people about your company and how Mamas has started how you actually want to save your mom's life? Sure. You know, it was like things that are a big wake-up in your life. It started with something pretty cataclysmic, and that was my mom was dying, and she was in hospice care at 80. And we were a relatively healthy family, active, et cetera, and so was she most of her life. So it was really um, surprising that this happened, and we researched who has survived her particular condition. She had very severe congestive heart failure, less than 10% heart function, kidney failure. You know, a lot of things had just gone wrong. And we came across a whole food plant-based diet and a lot of science from the Cleveland Clinic and Cornell and Harvard that showed, wow, you could really potentially reverse some of her condition. And we really, you know, what do you have to lose when you're at that place? And so we started feeding her this whole food plant-based meals and she got better. And she was 80 at the time, and I'm doing the short version, but she's going to be 88 in two weeks. And she swims four times a week. She drives. Her heart function is normal. And so something very profound happened, and as it did you forgot to us. Also, you forgot, she was what? also in MMA, mixed martial arts. She's the oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a gymnast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's all that. And she probably could. She does play ukulele now. Um, so yeah, I know it's crazy. And so then we started a company, and it was it was a it was you know in my life I've had many spiritual awakenings, and this was certainly one where when I began to change my diet, my health got better. Of course, my mom's did, and we started feeding everybody else we knew because we were so blown away by it. And then we realized, hey, we've been in a food company before. We know how to do big food and distribution. Um, let's get back in it because we really thought, I'm in my 50s, we can we can it positively impact people's lives and the planet all in one shot by giving them whole food, plant-based food, and why not do that if you can do it? And so we jumped in, and we've been going strong ever since. Wow. I And it's great because I, I love your lasagna, especially, and some of the other ones that you've sent me. They, when I have your food, it just, it just feel like I get a lot of energy. And I want to ask you about, you said you've had a lot of spiritual awakenings. What have been some of those awakenings, and where do you see your trajectory going in this lifetime? Sure. You know, most recently it was, you know, in my younger years it was kind of like a wake-up call. You can't keep living the party girl life, and you need to make a shift because things just weren't going well. And so, you know, I was lucky at a young age I got to see, okay, um, redirect your mind, put your energy into things that are, are more positive and and that was a big shift for me 
most directly, you know, after changing how I ate, it shifted how I thought about the planet. Um, it kind of woke up, uh, something in my head woke up about how we treat animals in big ag. Um, that was, you know, I grew up in farm country. It was never even, I never made the connection. And recently, a really cool thing has happened. You know, I've always meditated off and on throughout my life. I've always known that gratitude, or, or not always, but, you know, <laughs> since I got out of my wild child days, gratitude became important in my life. Forgiveness became important. And I'm fascinated by the science behind it. Like, does, what actually happens neurologically when you are in these states of forgiveness and gratitude? And I heard this bit the other day that when you actively practice forgiveness, you can increase your vertical leap. And I thought, what a great really? metaphor, you know? Is, is, that yeah, why, I know. is that why those people in the NBA can slam dunk? <laughs> well, imagine what they could do if they were doing this. So, you know, I haven't practiced a vertical leap, but I know that my life changes. And I thought, well, you know, personally, we do these things. And then I thought, what happens if you could bring that into your workspace and make it a part of your culture so that people could learn about this and practice it? where they work, because we spend, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours a day in a spot, it might be nice if we could implement this. And so that's what we started to do at Mama Says. We said, hey, these these things are really important to us. If somebody else is not mandatory, but if somebody wants to be a part of it, let's explore this and see what happens to a company that is coming collectively from this place of of trying to quiet this chatterbox mind that we have and get in touch with this place that, you know, I think a lot of people are experience where it's not, you know, it's not about your opinions. It's not about who's right, who's wrong. It's not about the divisiveness. It's not about fear driven, but it's that quiet place where things come out of, and not to sound too cliche, but I can only describe it as love where it's not divisive. And if you can be in that moment for any part of your day, I found that it has this really positive impact on the rest of my day. And that's what we said, let's do that as a company, because if our main goal is to help heal people and the planet one meal at a time, everything starts within, right? So you start with who you are and your own self, and then the rest happens on the outside. And so that's kind of the new and exciting thing for Mama Says so this year. I wanna, so does that mean that you have a company policies where throughout the day, okay, it's like, okay, 3 o'clock, everyone meditate for 30 minutes, focus on love. And do you do extensive mental health screenings for people? Do you make sure that when you interview people, like, look, we're just going to check your body to make sure you've got no satanic symbols or no 666 symbols. <laughs> that tends to compromise the energy. So these are totally voluntary. And, you know, we're in the beginning stages of it. So I, have, I haven't set up a screening process. But what we do say is that um, we want people who want to participate, you know, we're we have a meditating room that we've um, implemented so people can go there on their break. You know, we consider our, our employees are adults. And so I'm not tracking somebody. You took a 10-minute break. You took a 15-minute break. Everyone here, we're passionate about the work. They're going to get the work done. And if they need a break, they'll go take one. And what I want to have is that people have access to the tools that they can use to try these practices, some of them are, are so far beyond me, the people who work here, you know, in this. So I'm just kind of the guide on the side. A lot of people know a whole lot more about it than me, are further along in their path. But um, we want to create the space where that is possible and where collectively we're talking about it in a way. You know, if you're at work and you're talking about forgiveness, you know, not 
letting somebody off the hook, but letting yourself off the hook from the story you're talking about it so it doesn't impact negatively how you walk through your day. That is, you know, because business is tough <laughs> and a lot of things happen that can be frustrating and ding you out and, and have you feel worn down or too, you know, too excited or not too ex- not excited enough. So all of those things. And if you can get your heart centered and help people do that in a way that isn't, you know, woo-woo, but it's very practical. You know, we, we're all about uh, practical um, uh, uh practical function for all of these um, experiences. So we don't we don't want to do it just because it's the fad thing to do or we think you might feel nice, but we know and science shows just like with food that if you do these things then you feel better and when you feel better you can do better and when you do better, you know, your life gets better and the people around you do. Andrea, I think that's wonderful. It's a wonderful statement. I'm glad that your company is putting on all the positive energy cuz I mean, I think when you go to a restaurant, if you go to a place and you know the wait staff is happy, the food just seems to taste better. And at the same time, if you go to a restaurant and people are cranky, I'm sure it probably has an effect on, on the food. And that leads to the, taking a step further as to why I'm very passionate about um, you know eating plant-based foods because it seems like there's a lot of nutrition energy in there. You don't have the pain and suffering associated with the killing of sentient beings. But I love your food. I mean, you really, again, I've said it a few times. Oh, thank you. It really is good. To- <laughs> I'm going to send, I'm going to send you some more because we have some great new, new products. I think you in particular are going to like because I know you're a hummus guy and I've got this fun oh, thing that hummus. I know you're going to love. Oh, I know you're going to love. So, but, um, like, what have been a couple of the most shocking revelations that you've had in your life and evolution? So you, you, you come, you wake up, you, say you're, let me say it this way. Let me sorry. Let me start the question again. Three, two, one. Meg, what would you say would be two of your most profound insights on life that you've learned thus far? Insights that could really help others on their own path as well. Um, yeah. The the first one I would say is that the. Um, Now, C.S. Lewis had a quote, and I'm not going to do it real justice, but that we are not a body with a soul, but we are a soul that has a body. And it seems like a subtle difference, and maybe you hear something like that frequently, but it really um, struck me one day when I was meditating, and, and I meditated off and on most of my life. And I had an experience where it felt, it was very abrupt, where the uh, voice in my head, that kind of narrator that's talking about everything, even my meditation experience, stopped. And my mind was quiet. And, you know, it was so shocking to me. It was like somebody had turned off a really kind of loud talk radio in the background noise that you just got used to it's like somebody shut it off and then all of a sudden it was it was quiet and that feeling was so um one unusual i i i don't think i in my memory i had ever experienced it before and i realized that the me that was recognizing that something had just shut off this chatterbox narrator voice was not the voice and I think other thing that particular experience has been 
um, my touchstone because it's, I think that place of quiet is where um, the best of us comes through. It's our connection to God or a, a higher higher being or whatever you call it. I, I call it, you know, um, God or love. That is the direct connection. And this voice that we hear, you know, that's like just somebody really annoying you'd never want to go on a long trip with, you know, that talks about every, notices everything, talks about everything, you know. There's a sign. There's the floor. Oh, I don't like the floor. Look at the dirt. That You know, it just is nonstop. That, that difference and the knowing that then at that point I knew that my, um, a big part of my purpose here on this planet was to have, to be in that space more than I was the other and to notice at least when the chatterbox voice was in charge and that that didn't have to stay that way because that's really the, all of that is where a lot of pain comes from. And so. That's it. Um, that love was that, love that you said it because I've heard this before that when you realize that you are observing the mind, you realize that you're not your own mind. You become more awakened to the fact that you are the universal mind. I think it's it's very really powerful. It's a very powerful, wonderful experience to have. But you said that by becoming aware of this, you kind of you know lose the pain or don't become associated with pain. How would you do that if you are experiencing? You know, painful trials and tribulations in your lifetime. How is it that by getting that mentality and observing that chatterbox brain that is reacting to the circumstances as if they were particularly real, how does being in that universal mindset help prepare you or shield you from the pain, which can only be described as, you know, real? It seems very real that we're in this body, that we're experiencing in this life. And to gain that out, out of perception, it seems like it, you have to work for it. You have to really be hungry for it. I, th- I think that's accurate. Um, you know, it is, but hungry in a way like, I think of it like, I want clean teeth. And so I brush my teeth every day. Um, it's not like a, I have to like gear myself up and be on constant, you know, teeth brushing mode. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't, and the equivalent of, I don't have to be on a retreat for most of my life to deal with my life. But doing a little bit each day um, allows me to be more in that space. And so for things that are really difficult, and, you know, we've all had this devastating things, and, and politically and socially now we're hearing more and more of people who have just had, you know, very, very difficult, wrong things happen to them, no matter where they are politically. And so what do we do with this stuff? And I think that that recognizing that place and then adding into it a practice of um, forgiveness. And how do you really forgive something? Because I think when you can get into a practice of forgiveness, and this isn't letting somebody go and like it's okay, you don't need to go to jail if you murdered somebody, but to unhook from the story in your head that is re-injuring you and so how do we do that? So if you, you couple the recognition that we are not our mind, and then you layer in a practice of forgiveness and how we actually forgive. And, you know, one way that I do is I pray for that situation specifically for, you know, a period of two weeks or 30 days. And then I watch what happens in me. And it's normally 
what happens is I, it, the sting lessens and my, not that it didn't hurt or that it doesn't hurt, but I'm not experiencing it like it is happening. It's more I remember the pain as opposed to I'm in the pain. Miss Meg Donahue, co-founder of Mama Says and Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show listener. I want to thank you so much for being with us today, sharing your perspectives. To learn more about Miss Donahue, please go to her website at Mama Says M A M A S E Z Z dot com. Please order their plant-based foods. They are gluten-free, oil-free. There's no sugars or preservatives, and if you trust me, this food is going to give you the energy rush. And also, I mean, you just heard right now they've got a company policy where there's forgiveness and there's love in that, too. So that those are extra ingredients, <laughs> not even listed on the label. <laughs> Maybe I should put those in there. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's not even for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Ryan. I adore your show and you. Joining us now is the oldest listener we have on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. And when I say oldest listener, I mean person who's been listening to the show since day one and person who is so old that when Moses was a freshman, he was a senior in the same high school. He's an individual I am proud to call my father and best friend. Welcoming to the program is Mr. Bill McCormick. Welcoming, uh, welcome to the program, dude. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Well... Probably not going to be so thankful because I think this is the part of the show when people start listening and the numbers start dropping off. So uh, you oh, know, enjoy the first couple <laughs> seconds of how things go. <laughs> All right. So listening to the show since the very beginning, how do you think things have progressed or actually devolved? Because you've been with this since the, since day one. Well, the show has grown by leaps and bounds. It's it started out very very uh, on a very quiet note. And it has grown now to a very reputable and uh, wonderful program. All right. Well, thank you. And I want to just bring to the attention that Mr. McCormick here, he is not a helicopter parent. He did not uh, say I deserved an award for every time. Matter of fact, a lot of times when we were growing up, when I did not give the best performance, you actually told me that. So, so thank you. And I think that's pretty cool because that way when you say that, you know, it has extra meaning, but – I want to ask you this. What has been three of your biggest challenges as far as progressing in life goes? Raising my children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you get two, and I, I, was the, I was the golden one. I was the, I was the easy one. Uh, that was really easy. It was actually very easy. You, were, you and your sister were great. You were easy to deal with. You were easier to deal with. I know. Because when you stepped out of line and I spoke with you, uh, you got back in line. So not so true with your sister sometimes. That was one. Uh, the other one is uh, adapting to being a married person. It's, it's a whole new world. I got married when I was 27 years old. I had done a lot of things early on in my life, a lot of adventures. And then when you get married and you have children, your life changes, and you have different goals and different things to take into consideration. You have a wife and children to take care of. You, your life becomes more of theirs than, than your own. And maybe the third thing would be going into business 
for myself. I worked for 18 years for a gentleman that was a, a taskmaster, but uh, he he led me along the right path. He made me do things that I didn't want to do, and I'm, I'm thankful for him that he that he made me uh, fall down and fail and get up. And that's what business is all about, you know, getting up, doing something good, getting knocked down, getting back up. So business is is a, a, a large challenge. It was a large challenge in my life, and I'm and I'm glad to say that uh, it's been very rewarding. Excellent. Well, you one thing I remember you were I think you were actually telling me about this earlier this year where. You had said that you had met with a couple of people, I guess maybe a, a person who was excellent at sales, and you just sat down with them, spent the weekend with them, just talking to them. Have you have you done that with other people? Have you been seeking out other teachers in the course of your life? Always. Absolutely always. Always looking to find somebody who, who knows things that I don't know. And, of course, there are many. And so to me, that was one of the greatest things that I learned early on was reach out and seek people that don't necessarily think the way you do, but have tremendous knowledge in different things that you don't. And even if it's not applicable directly to what you're doing, learning new things is very valuable. So I'm just curious, how did you approach certain people? Because you said that one time you met a person in sales and you just you hung out with them for an entire weekend. You would just ask them questions. Like, What was your approach? Were you, you just – Saying I just want to listen to you, or how did you do it? You always find something that's common with people. Once you once you break the barrier and there's something a common denominator, you go from there, and you'd be surprised how many people have similar interests and similar backgrounds to you. And even if they're not the same background. You want to delve into finding out more about them, and they usually want to find out more about you. And you start telling stories about yourself, and they tell stories about themselves. And it, it, that's the way you you, you uh, learn about people and, and you know, progress. It's, it's a great way to, to do business. Right. Now, you were alive when fire was all the rage. And now That's we're right. the age when you know people are using cell phones. So, from your perspective, just in business and life, how do you think that the technology has either had a positive or negative impact on human communication? Do you think that we're in an era right now where it's getting progressively worse? Well, I think communication, all the uh, the computers and iPads and iPhones, and are fantastic. It, it's it's really made things easier and quicker in in one way, but in another way, uh, eyeball to eyeball communication is starting to become a thing of the past. And I feel that in my career anyway, that meeting someone face to face and eyeball to eyeball, you you can look into their soul, they can look into your soul, and you can you can determine whether this is going to be a good business relationship or not. Um, everybody says the nicest things on email and, uh, you know, on all the electronic stuff, and then they, you never close a deal. Closing deals to me is sitting down, meeting somebody, spending a good half hour, 45 minutes of conversation, learning about them, 
and then closing the deal. Excellent. And, you know, you're listening to the show since the very beginning. You know that you know, our entire family, most of them, I just about all of them are Roman Catholics, so they're all believing in religion. And I, I clearly do not. I don't participate at all. And I'm on my own path, but I'm curious. For somebody who is religious, who does, you know, observe a lot of these things in Catholicism, how do you respond when you're hearing a lot of these guests on our show talking about things that are either an affront or have no uh, common bond or similarity with the uh, core beliefs that you have? That doesn't bother me, not even a little bit. Everybody takes their own path in life. Everybody has their own views. And if somebody chooses not to have a religious view, that's that's their prerogative. It's none of my business. I live my life the way I choose to live it. I'm not living somebody else's life. So whatever somebody else thinks and believes, God bless them. So what do you believe as far as the the whole scheme? Do you believe that uh, you've had past lives? you believe that God is separate from you and that you're, that you want, or do you believe that you are one and the same with God? I believe God is in every person. I believe God is part of every human being. And God lets you do your thing. He doesn't tell you what to do, how to think. And you have to answer to that one day. And I don't know what the final outcomes will be, but I have been through many life and death situations. Um, and I've been on a table not, you know, very close to death and I lie there and because of my belief in God, I was very calm and relaxed and was actually very welcoming and and whatever would happen, I put my hands in God. Oh, that's pretty cool. So you don't think you're going to hell for any of the stuff that you did because you tell me some stories and, you know, I, based on some of the laws that are in Catholicism, you, you, I'd say there's a very high probability you're going to hell. And I, I feel really bad about that because I love you. I don't want you to go to hell. <laughs> but no, but seriously, so no, you, 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 it's not like a little bit of fire. You're going to like catch, you're going to be burst in flames. It's gonna, you're going to be a gasoline fire. Yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure about the heaven and hell thing. Uh, I just think our spirit is eternal. And if we do a majority of good things in our life, that maybe the next go around, things will be decent for us. We, nobody knows that. Nobody's come back and had conversations about uh, how it was in the, in the next life or how they got along after death. So I don't know. I just believe that doing the right things, and I've done a lot of not right things in my life like everybody else, but you try to do a majority of good things and treat people you know, the way you would like to be treated and hope that yeah, at the end, when you close your eyes, that your spirit goes to a good place and you're able to, you know, maybe even influence people that are still left on the earth. And when it comes to humor, because people on the show, I guess sometimes they've asked, they go, you know, where did you get your humor from? I, and I got it directly from you. I learned all my sense of humor from you. Plus, you know, I took a lot of drugs, and that kind of, like, enhanced it and added some more elements to that humor. So, <laughs> and I just want to let everyone know that I was on my, my – I found out that before I came into this lifetime, I was slated to become a Harvard scholar, but that got derailed when you decided to film me hanging upside down in the swings, and you were supposed to save me, but instead 
uh, saving me. You you videotaped me, and I fell three feet, and I slammed my head into the ground. You left. And I think that's where things took a turn for the worse going forward. So, yes. Uh, what is what is the humor coming? How did where did your humor um, come? Did, did I you develop honest, yeah. honestly, I think I dropped you more than once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a basketball. Yes, exactly. Oh my goodness. I don't well. wear I don't wear floaties while eating breakfast cereals. I was five, so. <laughs> Jeez, but what does it come into? What is it? Is it people that you grew up with? I mean, because your sense of humor, I always thought it was it was different because a lot of people that they'll look around and they'll tell a joke and they'll like worry about what other people think and you don't even care. You you just say the joke and without even without even batting an eye. I always thought that was kind of cool because you know so many people are so uptight. So you got the humor plus not being stiff. So is that something that just naturally came to you, or is that something you just learned from other people? No, I just think it was. Uh... It was just part of my makeup. I just always liked to, to laugh. I enjoyed laughing, and I enjoyed goofing on deep and telling jokes. I always have. So it's it's to me, if you can't laugh, you're in trouble. Coming back to one other thing, briefly touched upon a little earlier, is that on our show, we will discuss all different topics, discussions, open to all different ideas, yet. Certain people will never come to the realization, will never delve into it. Is there a certain area, a realization of life that you maybe you don't want to go into that you're comfortable with right now that maybe you know you don't want to explore? Because I know sometimes we talk about you know major events that could happen, they're very dark, or you know we'll talk an area about you know, metaphysical attacks. Is there any area of the show that maybe we focus on? That is particularly not your not your particular cup of tea, or is not a place where you want to focus your time and attention on. Ninety percent of your shows are very enjoyable. Um, the only shows that that are a little out of bounds in my mind, anyway, is when uh, certain guests attack people. And when you attack people, that shows a weakness uh, to me. That's a very weak person that has to attack someone else. Um, you should you should applaud people. And applaud if, if you do, you don't have anything good to say about somebody, don't say anything. That's been my motto all my life. I'd see it. That's awesome. That's that's very positive. And are there any particular books that you've read, or authors, or teachers that you've come in contact with that have had a, a really great impact? Because I remember growing up, you used to have me listen to Zig Ziglar. I thought that was awesome. Yes. And I didn't even know what it was, but I, I thought that Zig Ziglar was way more of a teacher than any of the teachers in public schools were. I mean, he was awesome. So, and I remember he used to have these stacks of books on uh, books on tape. So, what were maybe three or four teachers and authors that had the biggest impact on you and why? Well, Zig Ziglar, but um, Reverend Robert Schuller also. Uh, he was fantastic. He, he had several, I had several of his tape sets. And the one that was really great is uh, Tough Times Never Last, Tough People Do. And it was a six-cassette uh, program. And he, was, he was outstanding. I went as far. Uh, he used to do his, his uh, lecturing out of the Crystal Cathedral out in California. And I made the trip one time, and I went to the Crystal Cathedral to see and feel the energy in that place. And it was amazing. The guy was great. And there were several other, I'm trying to think of the other 
authors that were uh, Earl Nightingale was fantastic. Earl Nightingale was absolutely a, a giant. And uh, th- those three, basically those three, and as far as books, I've read many, many, many books, but I have enjoyed in the last couple years uh, the Bill O'Reilly books, Killing, Killing England, Killing the Rising Sun, uh, Killing SS. They're so what are they a book? Are they fictional books about a, a assassination? They're not. Fic- they're not fictional. They are. They are uh, nonfiction, and they go in more to the personalities of the people of the history times. Like Killing England, you would get a whole new respect for George Washington because it talked a lot about his personal beliefs and how he functioned. It wasn't just what he did. So these books are very, very, very uh, detailed and very well written and tremendous. They give you tremendous knowledge. Okay. And are there any individuals who you don't like personally or professionally that actually you feel offer some lessons, even though they they come as teachers that are that are that are jerks, that are people that are not, that are really big fans of. I know I'm actually asking you something that may contradict something you've previously said about you know don't say something nice, don't say anything negative about someone, but but there are people out there that who let's say that you don't think too highly of, or you think that may necessarily not be um, great, you know, banner holders of the light, but yet teach very valuable lessons. Well, there's there's always people that you have less respect for, but it doesn't mean you speak badly about them. And sometimes in the course of my career, some of the the greatest uh, lessons that I was, uh, that I learned were from people that did the worst things to me. And what I do when I go to church, those four or five people who did really malicious and nasty things for me, they are the first people I pray for. When I when I wow. sit down, I pray for those people because I said to myself, they can't possibly know what goodness is but because they did such vicious, not just to me, but other people too. Uh, but I pray for them. So no, I don't. I don't hold. To me, hate is a is a uh, wasted time. It's a waste of time. Uh, when I have, find somebody that I really don't feel that deserves my attention. I put them into my dead file. They they just don't they don't exist anymore. So I, I will not allow somebody to. You got me once. You're not going to get me twice. That's awesome. You don't want to want my father's dead file. Dead file. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Bill McCormick, thank you so much for being with us today again. Uh, Mr. McCormick is my father, best friend, and. It's a great honor to have you with us today. It's a great honor to interview you on, on the show. And I am so thankful that the condom broke, which allowed me to be conceived and allowed me to be a part of this world and interviewing right now, sir. Uh, thank you, Brian. I, and you know what I think about you. And Yes. I know. You think I'm an asshole. No, I do not. I love you, buddy. Asshole. I'm in the dead file. I'm in the You're dead file. You're not in the dead file. <laughs> Joining us now is another one of our beloved listeners, Miss Lizzie Lee. She's listened to the show for a while. 
because he was kind enough to send a lot of helpful guest suggestions and getting some positive feedback on the on the show. So, Lizzie, it is a great honor to have you with us. Thank you for being with us today. It's my honor. Thank you. So, Lizzie, what has been your trajectory? What are you fascinated about, and where would you get the most out of as far as your learning from? Really, it's just been on this sort of journey inward, which totally sounds so cliche, but really developing my own practice of going inward. Um, I feel like the more time I spend in nature, the more time I spend self-reflecting, the more time I spend time with the things that trigger me. Um, All those things are like little clues, like I'm solving some puzzle to really like complete a picture of... um, coming back to myself if that makes any sense it does absolutely does and are there any particular authors are there any particular um, types of music that you listen to that, that kind of will pull you into a uh, experience where you know you, it kind of opens up your perception um music is a tough one i don't i don't i haven't found anything musically that will do that to me but um I've been reading Dolores Cannon's books. I've been reading the Convoluted Universe series, which has just blown my mind. Like, a lot of the information in those books really resonate with me and seems to sort of, like, I feel really connected to it in, like, a way of deeper knowing. Like, I read this stuff and I'm just like, yeah, somehow it feels like it's accessing, like, almost like I'm be able to reach through a dream. Like, it's, like, knowledge that's there that I know is there and I'm sort of, like, trying to connect. Um yeah, it's a, it's it's sort of like a really interesting um, tool to investigate your own subconscious because that's basically what she does. She's interviewing these people, um, interviewing their subconscious through this specific type of therapy called quantum healing uh, hypnotherapy technique. And the whole books are really just like a series of interviews. Um, and it's a lot of the same information uh, that your last show I listened to, Mr. Fu. Yeah. Um, sort of present. So that was also really interesting to sort of like hear it from a different angle, but really the same information. Yeah, Mr. Fu, essentially about Mr. Fu and I would say Mr. Fu and some of these other guys, you start to, you start doing these interviews, the, the pattern starts to emerge and some of the same lessons start to emerge. So I'll, I'll tell you for uh, two specific um, messages I keep on getting from several of the guests. One is that we apparently are on the cusp of going into a mini ice age. I don't know why, because we're, I'm hearing that from all different types of people, people who would not even know each other, and it's it's all kind of it's like the message keeps on coming back. And the other message I keep on hearing is to not give your attention to the dark, because I tend to, to say, okay, you know, what are we going to do about this darkness? And the, the Mr. Fu, Sally Perry, and some others are saying, do not give your attention to the dark. Focus on the light. But coming to Dolores Cannon, she had this book called The Three Volunteers, and she talks about how there's a, a number of people that are coming to Earth right now that are not from Earth, and they're coming here because they don't have karma or karmic attentions from previous life incarnations, and that's what's going to raise the elevation. So of all the lessons from this Cannon, what are some of the ones that resonate with you the deepest? Um, some of them that resonate with me the deepest really – this feeling of, um, like, I really identify with this idea that maybe on the other side of this life that beings have come to volunteer to raise the vibration of Earth. Like, I, it's my personal belief and feeling that 
the earth has just been through many, many eons and many populations and many, you know, I think we've gotten really close many times to achieving sort of like a global ascension. And I think we're at this really interesting point right now where it's possible, but it's like the scales are kind of tipping really just back and forth, really could go this way or it could go the other way. I would love to believe and I think I need to really start working on shifting into that belief that it is really possible. Um, but that's really like, I really just believe in the highest good of humanity. And I think that we have that in us and we're just so easily manipulated by fear um, that it really just clouds your entire perception. And once you're down that path, you need something to shake you awake, you know, whether I think for a lot of people, that's a lot of darkness, depression, abusive relationships, like whatever it be. Um, and I kind of almost hope that this disgusting, like, political scene, you know, it seems to have activated some people on some level. Um, but I feel like it's really mostly just like a very um, mental level. You know, it gets that, that, that whole theory that Einstein proposes. It's uh, you can't solve the same. You can't solve problems with the same consciousness that created, created them. And Rand. You know. Is that Anne Rand? No, no, sorry, um, Albert Einstein. Yeah, Albert Einstein. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, you know, I feel that's, that's really what I resonate with the most. I feel like we are living at a really interesting time, and, like, we just – we have so much more power than we know, and we're all just so afraid. We're all made to feel so little. Nobody nobody aware, is aware of how much power they're able to step into and really just – you know, like living your path is that power. It's, um, I think the Dalai Lama has a quote that, you know, if you ever feel so small that you can't make a difference, like try sleeping in a room with a mosquito, something very close to that. <laughs> and if you think about that, you're like, damn, that's right. Wow. And in the course of your evolution, was, was there any, was there one or more pivotal moments where you embrace this power within? And if so, what were the circumstances and how did it happen? Entheogens. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some really mind-blowing experiences with ayahuasca okay. and 5-MAO-DMT, which is um, Bufo alvaris. Is or that, alvaris, I'm not sure how you say I'm it. I'm pretty sure that was what Dylan Charles was talking about. Is that the one where, where the experience lasts for 36 hours? No, this is that's Iboga or okay. Ibogaine, yeah. I believe. Um, okay. this is really quick. It's, um, it's a f dried frog venom from the Sonoran desert toad. It's harvested okay. peacefully. Um, you, it's dried and you, you smoke it and within 10 seconds, your consciousness is just shot into other dimensions. It's phenomenal. It's like the most life affirming, amazing see through the veil experience I've ever had. Wow. And how long does this last for? You know, if you had asked me that without somebody telling me that, I could have, I would have been out a day. I don't know. I have no idea how long I was gone for. But because there are other people there with you, you know, it was like 15 minutes. Okay. Wow. So much information in such a small amount of time. You know, I'm curious about that. You see, so you're taking this, you're experiencing all these you know, insights, and Taking ayahuasca, I've always been told that you are basically 
you know, docking with a consciousness. You're you're you're, you're connecting to Mother Earth. So, absolutely. What, what is the difference between you taking ayahuasca and you know doing that, or taking another form, a hallucinogen where you're gaining insights? I'm just like wondering well, to what degree is the information valid? To what degree is the information you know leading you on your best interests? Well, um, I will say that I over time I've developed a more intimate relationship with ayahuasca and that has changed my relationships with things like mushrooms or other you know entheogens um ayahuasca the more that you consciously participate in a ceremony meaning like you can have a dialogue with it and you can have a conversation you can be shown certain things and you can have input and then be shown other things based on the input um that has totally just flipped my entire, like, thinking about these types of experiences on my head because now, you know, I was a really experimental kid and used to take you know, mushrooms and LSD to party and stuff. And um, now I just think they're so sacred. I mean, really, mushrooms, um, they're so sacred that I would never just use them that way at this point in my life. No judgment for anybody else. Um, and I haven't really participated. I haven't really done them in a while since developing this relationship with ayahuasca. I'm going to Tucson in the coming months. And um, I'm going to be doing a mushroom ceremony out there. And I'm really kind of curious because I have a different practice now. I plan on making offerings and I plan on having intentions and I plan on setting up like a sacred space. And I'm really curious. Like, I think it'll be a totally different experience. I, I, it's gotta be incredible. I commend you for, for doing that. I wish I could partake with mushrooms. It, mushrooms do not resonate with me at all. I, I said I had some of, the, some of the worst experiences on mushrooms. Ayahuasca, it, I would say that it's very intense. I, I'm very thankful for it, but I, but leaving the body, I think it's courageous. I think it's courageous to take that step, to take that plunge. And I'm wondering, if you have been courageous enough to, to do that, to totally leave, do you feel that, that that courage, that you need to have that type of courage in order to process your shadow and to, to seek the true answers? I, I do. I think that, you know, in my 20s, um, I had a really hard time. I was really afraid to sort of spend time with that, even though I probably desperately needed to. Um you know, there are certain times of maybe one's life that it's just too painful. It's too overwhelming to really look at that stuff. And then through a series of experiences or being unhappy or, you know, for me, I ended up in a really like kind of terrible, abusive relationship. Um, no, it, I mean, you know, I, I have gratitude for it now and I have compassion, um, but it woke my ass up. It like shook me awake. And that's what landed me in my first ayahuasca ceremony. And it was like the light bulb went on, you know, it was like, have you ever seen that movie Labyrinth? Yes. yes so I had my Sarah moment where I was like looking at David Bowie. I was like, you have no power over me. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's amazing. It was just like all of a sudden I was free. Uh, that's awesome. That's really yeah. awesome. And in the course of listening to the show, I want to thank you because you've been you're providing a lot of constructive criticism. As a matter of fact, I think that every single person that we've had on this program tonight with our listeners has provided constructive criticism. And I want to tell you that I, I love it. And I encourage you and other people who are listening 
please, you, you're not going to offend me. I'm not going to be upset. I want to know uh, whatever can be done to make this show better. So I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to do that and uh, to tell you that you have been heard and everyone else has been heard. And I would like to ask, are there any particular types of shows you think or you feel they resonate deeper with you or they, they, uh, they open up certain doorways? For sure. Um, I don't know how I would classify them. I guess, like, the shows that I've loved the most, my favorite episodes have been um, Escaping the Matrix of Control. Is that – do you remember that one? Yes. That one was phenomenal. Um, All the Mr. Fu episodes (laughs) blow my mind. I've listened to each of them multiple times and go back and listen to them again, and I share them with people. And um, So – those are the ones that really like for me really resonate. Like I, I feel like I'm at the point where, and the earth is kind of coming to this place where we're, the veil is really thin. And if you really spend time trying to connect and like, there's so much energy going on. There's so much stuff happening. That's, you know, we're all so conditioned to think that this is our reality. Like, you know, got to wake up, you got to go to work, got to put on your shoes and do the thing. And it's like, yeah, that is because you've agreed upon that. But if you open up your mind and you spend time and you really try to get to know some of the other energies that are happening around you, they respond. It's like the more you put out, it's matched. It comes back and it will blow your mind, you know. So for me, all that stuff, hearing what Mr. Fu had to say on the last episode, so affirming to me and just really gives me the courage to kind of like, and the curiosity. Like I feel like self-inquiry and curiosity, those are two main things that we all need more of. Um, be gentle with yourself. Be curious. Why are you triggered? Why is this, why is it so painful? Why can't you look at it? Why can't you talk to your mom? Why, you know, um, I think those are really valuable tools in, in putting the pieces back together to make yourself whole and like shine your light. Awesome. Be unafraid. It's Lizzie Lay. I want to thank you so much for being with us. This is awesome. I can't tell you what a great honor it is to interview you and, our other amazing listeners, because you guys are driving this thing. So it's it's, it's an honor to be a part of this with you and uh, with all of our amazing Ryan, listeners. Ryan, thank you. Thank you so much. I love your show, and there's really just nothing else like it out there. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. So awesome. Joining us now is Kara Elder. She's one of our longtime listeners. And I have to tell you, I reached out with communicating I asked her what her perspectives were on the show, and she was kind enough to write a two-and-a-half to three-page analysis. And it was so awesome. The advice she gave was so helpful. So, Miss Elder, it is a great honor to have you with us today. Thank you for your constructive feedback. You are welcome. Thank you. So, so Elder, what drew you to the show, and, I don't know, what types of shows that tend to galvanize it? Governors, you what what the types of shows you tend to go with? Well, ever since I found you, I found several other shows along the same lines, and then I watch, I listen to actually a lot of news shows. But I have to say, I accepted a position, a job that was located in the wilderness without any internet or uh, Wi-Fi. Oh wow! So I downloaded the the um, you know my podcast app researched the shows I wanted to listen to, and yours was the number one show, and I, it was serendipity. Like, oh, your, awesome. like, OLR popped up. I downloaded it, listened to it, and yours was the first podcast I've ever truly followed, I guess, at that time. Then I, like, prior to that, there was one or two um, 
detective podcast my sister Ted tipped me off to a while back, but but yours was the refresher. And uh, I loved it. Thank you. Thank and you. A, a few others I could mention, but yours was number one. Well, they, it's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's our show. I mean, it's the fact is that the show's driven by uh, people like you and our guests. And it's just, I'm just happy to be a part of it, happy to be, you know, to put this thing in together and having a good time. And what about your journey? What is it, how have you changed and uh, grown and evolved in the course of your life? What would you say would be some of the biggest jumps in your evolution or perception? Oh my! So uh, during my my entire the course of my entire yeah. life, <laughs> or or more recently? Well, more recently, any point in time. Like, what would you say would be you know? Where, where well, do we, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to gauge like your, your trajectory. I could tell. I could talk your ear off if if you'd let me, and I don't want to Absolutely. blow the time that we have together. <laughs> so I have to. I guess I was when I was very young. I was extremely shy. I was called medically shy. And then around middle school, early high school, I, I broke out of that with um, a huge concerted effort. Like, I took drama class. They made me sing in front of an audience. I hated it, so I switched to become to, – I turned to art instead. So it, it was a challenge to get over being shy, and now no one even believes I was ever shy. So I, I am sort of a extroverted introvert or vice versa. So I, I do get nervous, but I tend to put myself out there, so it makes me push – the boundaries of it. Right, um, yeah, so I get, I have just so many, so much life history. I don't know where to dive in. So you can ask me questions. Oh, funny like. questions. One of them is, where do you see your place in the universe, and what is your perspective on why you're here? Do you have an idea what your purpose is on Earth? Well, I have been doing a lot of homework on that very category of uh, finding my sole purpose. I've been reaching out all over the place, reading, watching YouTube, writing letters to people like you and listening to very interesting shows. But I, I actually have been using the local public library to do a lot of research. So I've been reading a, a lot more than usual lately and also listening to a lot of great music. Um, I'm very much into consciousness, uh, wellness, health. I studied landscape architecture and planning, which is a very creative field, and helped me sort of explore the world and see the world, the forest through the trees, so to speak. Um, I, I studied abroad um, as a fresh, you know, um, a sophomore in college, and that helped me to grow out of sort of a nationalist perspective, like, oh, I only know my hometown. Oh, I only know California. Now I know Sort of, you know, I became a little more international after I'd traveled and got a URL pass and such. Um, and then I, I could go on and on. Well, as far as expanding your perception goes, is there any particular practices that you do that you recommend that will help others that will accelerate the yeah. perception? Yeah. Okay. Gosh, so many. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, I went to Burning Man. Um, when I was at Burning Man, I realized I wanted to get off of the Matrix. I'm still on the Matrix. I'm not in the Matrix. Oh, so. They say we get off the grid. Well, you know, electricity. Right. We, we kind of need that a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, just not being on the Internet and checking my phone and all the text. Because I, I, I did. I lived in San Francisco for about 15 years. I worked in the tech industry. I had some really interesting jobs, like as a art – well, I don't want to say the art director, but I was on the graphics team and was – considered an art director but the actual art director had the title but i was a multimedia producer 
Um, after I was practicing landscape architecture for years, I got sort of jealous of all the folks learning the Internet. And so I got all into graphic design and producing fun little um, animations and such for um, Red Sky Interactive, for example. That's my first internship I did in the dot-com world. I went through the dot-com crash, started going to Burning Man at the same time. And in those days, they allowed or allotted a huge severance package, so I took advantage of that. I couldn't find anyone to travel with, so I went to Thailand, and that's where I really explored and found myself, I have to say. And I started doing yoga there, and then I became, I did yoga teacher training back in San Francisco when I returned. So that was the beginning, I'd say, of leaving the matrix uh, halfway. But I've always been interested in metaphysical um, uh, studies and people who called themselves psychics. I was like, ooh, what's that? Oh, yeah. you know. Very curious about you because know, you wonder where they're getting their information from. And when you think about where your information comes from, do you learn through visualizations? Do you learn through listening more? Do you learn through feeling? I'm wondering, is there any particular uh, sense that you that galvanize towards more? And also, when you're listening to the show, is there any particular sense that kind of gets more activated or more uh, stimulated for listening to the certain programs? I love your show. And I don't yeah. just say that. I love it. And I know you know I do because yeah. I call you a lot and you call me and we email yeah. each other. And I'm like, oh, I love this and that. And I have seriously listened to about every single show five times. I just kept oh, listening and listening. So it's fascinating. Your guests are off the matrix or if they're in it, they're um, they're tapping into something different. And I've always had that sense. Ever since I was little, I used my imagination. I'm very – I call myself a visionary now. Like if I introduce m- myself to someone and they're like, what do you do? How much money do you make? You know, are you important or not? And what kind of car do you drive? I just I just spin them around on the top of their head like a top. And I, I just enjoy uh, getting to know people for what they're all about, what makes them tick. And I, I kind of look in, at someone in their eyes and – I feel like I activate their inner child, and that's what's activated in me, and that's kind of how I relate to people. So I relate very well to animals and children and old people, and then if someone's, like, completely, like, oh, I'm important, and I make a lot of money, and I'm better than you, I just sort of spin them around a bit and try to get to where they're coming from. get out of it. Yeah, but um, I prefer people who are a little bit more genuine and authentic and Miss Cara Elder, thank you so much for being part of our show. I mean, listening and your feedback and comments and everyone else who's contributing their comments, guest suggestions. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. It's an honor to have you be a listener of our program. Well, Ryan, thank you, too. I, I love your show and just keep at it. And I, I'm continuing to listen regularly. So keep it up. You, you keep us motivated out here. Thank you. Joining us now is Miss Julie Downey. Another one of our most cherished listeners. Julie was actually the very first person in the history of the show to reach out to me. And she said that she listened to the show. She was very complimentary. And at that time, I had thought that people listened to the show as a substitute for NyQuil to fall asleep. And actually, and it's funny because she reached out. And around that time, I started seeing the numbers get higher and higher. And I think that the time she had emailed us, our numbers were had doubled from the previous year. But Julie is amazing. She's sweet. She offered a lot of encouraging words and insights, and I'm honored to have her with us today. Miss Julie Downey, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Ryan. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. So I guess I'm curious, what 
uh, brought you to the show? What? How did you hear about the show? Find out about the show. Uh, well, I was a longtime student of Stuart Wilde, and I'd been Googling everywhere to figure out who he, after he passed, um, who he knew, who his friends were, so I could connect with them. And your show was one of the one of the places I found. So I was I was very happy to to find you. And uh, yeah, yeah. So what has been some of your journey in this lifetime? What have been uh, some of the things you're curious about? What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? Mm. I've been curious about a lot of things. Um, probably the biggest fascination would be the subjects that Stuart touched upon, you know, the metaphysical, the, the things beyond what we typically see day to day. And uh, also with regard to health. So I've done a lot of work in alternative health and um I've I've gone through a number of careers, <laughs> so I've been at different times in my life, and these are usually for periods of 10 years. I was a massage therapist for sports injuries, and I was a full-time yoga instructor really up until about four years ago, and I, I still practice every day, and, uh, and now I've gotten deep into studying herbs and and I was studying herbs and essential oils previously, but now I do it even more. And I guess through all of the things I've been through, the one thing that kind of carries me through is being able to learn the next new thing. So, you know, I went from uh, massage therapy to yoga to herbs and extracts. And, and all along that way, um I worked quite a bit with Stuart's programs and studied things of a metaphysical nature, and um, and I continue to do that. And and so your show has introduced me to a number of intriguing personalities, and I'm I'm thankful for that. Well, thank you so much. And just to yeah. remind people who are listening, and I talked about Stuart a lot. I can't tell you underscore what a powerful teacher he was. I mean this. He was so rebellious, and that's why I think I resonated. So we always got along. Did you ever meet with him firsthand or work with him firsthand? I never did, and it's one of my biggest regrets that I, I never actually met Stuart in person, and I think that's why I was so keen on locating friends of his or people that knew him um, so I could talk with them. Uh, you know, the the year that he <clears> – <throat> he died I got back into all of his material reread all his books you know you know how you do and uh and the other odd thing that happened and in that year everything was still online of all his work you know you could find practically all of his programs on YouTube and then they gradually all disappeared there's only a few things left on YouTube which is interesting to me I don't know who deleted all of them but but anyway um I was grateful to find all of those and, and, and also to revisit his books. And, and you're right. Even though I never met him in person, he was just a powerful force in my life and, and continues to be. Uh, Same so, here. Yeah. Yeah. You, 
When you have gained a new perception, I'm going to ask you, from your first-time perspective, when you've gained a greater insight, when you've learned something new, had you ever taken that new insight and gone back and applied it to other fields within your life and noticed it and change or um, a new meaning to it? Like, Have you ever learned a stronger metaphysical concept and been able to open up doors that you couldn't open up before? Um, I don't know if that's been the case. I, I think it's more that I just continue to practice things and so along with the metaphysical, you know, I practice Qigong and I practice yoga and I I um work with a teacher this year who who does shamanism through dreaming and so I keep a journal of my dreams and I've gotten more disciplined about doing that and I would say in doing that it sharpens my perception of when I meet and talk to people or when I encounter a situation and I'm trying to decide if it's a good situation for me or not. <laughs> so I, I feel like my gut instincts have improved um, over time from practicing those things. I don't know if that's a good answer to your no, question. Every, every, it's a great answer, okay. absolutely. Okay. okay. Based on what you've come and in your journey, what would be some piece of advice, pieces of advice that you would offer to someone else as far as you know, they're on their own path? They're trying to learn, trying to grow. I would, my biggest thing would be don't take everything at face value. Whatever is being thrown out there, whether it's from a teacher, the media, or uh, an author, it doesn't matter. I, I always I try to take it with a grain of salt. I, you know, it's like I try not to take it at first glance as gospel. It's more over time, will it prove itself out? And if I practice it, do I feel stronger as a human being, you know, have I become kinder, more generous, a, a stronger human being, more courageous? I, I, I tend to question things. I'm a big skeptic. And, and that's probably why Stuart was so appealing because he was, he was not the typical new age teacher. No, <laughs> and I, definitely I, not. He was, a, he was, a, he yeah. burned it to the ground. <laughs> I love that. And I respected it very much. <laughs> It's been a guiding light for me to know that, you know, that it's okay to do that and that um, it, it's good to question and read between the lines and, and ask more questions and delve deeper. So I guess that would be my biggest advice. Don't take everything at face value. Um, even the, the so-called guru's words. I, yeah. Well, <laughs> Last question I have is, what could we be doing different on this show? I mean, by the way, you tell me if there's something that we're doing that is not good, it could be done better, let me know. What, what could we do differently on this show? Uh, I really love what you do on this show. I, I, I tend to be more of a person who wants to prove things with some sort of science so or, or some kind of, you know, results-based thing, and I – I know you and I have talked a few times, Ryan, and I've I've had different ideas for guests. And so, you know, because of my penchant for alternative ideas for health, I'm I'm keen on doctors who, you know, go beyond conventional medicine and and but then but yet they have 
scientific proof or or they've done years of studies, you know, the, something to back up what they're doing, um, results from patients, that kind of thing. So those are the types of people I like to listen to. They've they've made a breakthrough or a discovery, maybe because of a problem they had in their own life or um, someone in their family, and now they've gotten really good at how to fix it, you know, or, or having a new way to address a problem that previously no one else knew how to work with. Miss Julie Downey, cherished and beloved listener of the Out of Limits and Truth Radio Show, thank you so much for being with us today, and we look forward to continuing working with you and having you be a part of this program because, uh, you know, your, your feedback and suggestions really did help out a lot, and I, I'll always be grateful for that. Uh, thank you, Ryan. It's, it's a pleasure always, and I, I love your energy and enthusiasm and carry on, you know. <laughs> well, thank you. You know what it is? Yes. It's, I always say, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. If you drink yes. a lot of beer, I'm just saying just from my perspective, if you drink not just a few beers but a lot, life tends to get really awesome. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us now is another one of our lovely, beloved listeners, Miss Lisa McNorton. Miss McNorton has been listening to the program for a while, and she is always sending me interesting articles and guest suggestions. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Miss McNorton, welcome to the program. Great honor to have you with us. Well, good morning, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing unbelievable because I'm speaking to you, and in addition to offering articles and guest suggestions you're the only person i know that actually does my cards on a regular basis and the one card <laughs> that consistently comes up it's the picture of the woman crying and that is to indicate that i'm not satisfying my wife in the bedroom <laughs> it's just no. and, yep all the time like it's still coming up I'm like, not gonna get any better no metaphysically speaking I you're lagging in that area so. spend more time working on the show <laughs> I think it's awesome, Miss McNaughton. How? What has been your pr- progression uh, in, as far as your evolution goes? What are you most passionate about, and how did you get on the path of uh, you know seeking? Well, wow, um, it's been a life journey. I have to say, I was a weird kid, you know, and uh, religion played a, a big part in my life because my mother was a very devout, um, fundamental Christian. And so uh, my father was not, but was in his own way, because he converted probably to seven different types of Christianity, believe it or not. There's another story. God bless him, I love him. (laughs) But it it really, first of all, it develops a a severe and uh, deep reverence and and veneration of things that are sacred, all things sacred. And for me, my father would introduce other cultures and my mom encouraged it too, to a degree, you know, don't go to the dark side, but yes, here, this is cute. And let's celebrate, you know, like it's a small world, whatever. So then, uh, you know, after you grow up in that, you, you just always have a, uh, yearning, I guess, you know, I guess it could go either way. You either 
appreciate it or you, you shun it, you know, and I guess I appreciated it. And, and, uh, through my life, I've had very, uh, significant and profound things happen. And, you know, I remember them each crystal clear. So I, I know that these happened and as they happened, it, it kind of clicked another, <laughs> another, uh, step in the past, you know, and, and it's been a, a interesting path because you need to remain open and that's probably the hardest thing, <laughs> that and letting go. I think everybody struggles with those two things. It's so... And if you, you can't do either of those and you can't receive or give, but anyway, go ahead. Oh, I, <laughs> I found it really interesting that. It's you, it's me, it's so many other people that listen to our show, and a lot of our guests, they, they all came from like this like repressive Catholic background that broke out, yeah. and they're on this. I wonder if, if Catholicism in one way is a launching pad for, for people to just kind of jump out and, well, and grow, because I think there's so much so much repression there. I don't know what it is about it. I just, I there just is. find it you know, a common thing. But you see it in other, in, in other people. I mean, I'm, I'm out west. And so um, I, I get a, a good mix because it's very transient where I live. You know, a lot of people move in and out. There's all sorts of industries and military and seasonal work. And so everything ebbs and flows, right? And that brings new people. And it also brings repeating people. And so sometimes you see our people grow. And, um, yeah, the more repressed Catholicism is interesting. It's well, all the Abrahamic faiths are, are, are very interesting and, and, um, you know, at their core, they're, they're lovely, <laughs> but there comes a point where, uh, they're vengeful or used for vengeful purposes. And, you know, the, if if man allows himself, which they will and do and have and will continue to, um, you know, bow into the lower ebbs of energy or the, the um, or they abuse any of the faces of of who we are. Right. So you have the warrior. And if if that overtakes or if greed overtakes or if it all, you know comes together in a in a master plan <laughs> then you have these cabals and cartels and things that just wreak havoc and so how do you curb that and then we have that in individuals and so you can see it in society you can see it in an individual and it all just kind of ebbs and flows and um bringing it back to catholicism it's like you you, you see that in their history you know, there, there's no denying that some of the early popes were almost like these uh, mafiosos. Yeah. And I mean no disrespect. So before anybody, <laughs> whenever I say things, I'm, I'm trying to say things as an observer and 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 removed, so skeptical, so removed, just as a priest would. When you go to a priest to confess, he should remain, you know, as a third party observer, skeptical, removed, recording, observing and then able to 
you know, remember. And so uh, that that's always been, and that's kind of weird that going back to who I am as a person, that's how I've always felt as a kid. Like just, <laughs> like instead of standing where I was as a kid, at my low perspective, I always had this vision of myself like up in a corner kind of looking down, you know, <laughs> not, and, and I don't mean down as an, oh, you're all low. I meant like just from that eagle eye perspective of, Okay, what what what's in this room? You know, <laughs> so it's it, like an awareness, a, a frequency, or spiritual, or whatever awareness, and so blah blah blah. Anyway, back to the no. I just want to ask you that as far as you know, some of the articles that you said, which I really enjoy. They're, they're I'm daily. sorry that I rambled so much. No, you're not rambling at all. No, it's awesome. Uh, you're providing great insight. When you send articles, I look at some of the things you send and. I know you're a seeker, but I, I love the fact that you have like an edge to yourself about it because because I, <laughs> I think that you know there, there's a seeker that people are seeking, and then there's also like I'm taking it a step further. So, what is it about um, the, that edge to you? The edge to your seeking, and a, how a does that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just it's questioning philosophies that question traditional philosophies. It's questioning the questioner. I love it. Well, again, okay, well, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and as a witness, um, you go door to door, and you try to save people, and part of that is getting to know who they are, and what they believe, and, and how they came about to believe, what they believe, and what the culture is, and and you dissect it, you know, I mean, if you really want to kind of succeed i actually i i i was always very good at placing literature but i just felt bad following up you know because i felt like then i was bothering people (laughs) so finally when i turned 18 i mean it was hard i I went door to door as a, a kid and i loved it i mean i love my mother god bless her um but it it yeah, it was a challenge. What you really have to grow moment? a backbone. Uh, my breakout moment when I decided to leave. Mm-hmm. There were so many. Well, and I mean that sincerely, moment? where it would ebb and flow. Okay. Um, I would have uh, interactions or spiritual experiences or personal interactions that um, led to these experiences. And when I would voice them, you know, you're, you're not supposed to, uh, associate with any of it, not with people who do it, not with people who have abilities, not with anything, you know, because it's all evil or of the devil or of, lower energy or of things that you shouldn't know about or however they wish to interpret it. Okay. So don't want any more mail. So, um, you know, when, when you have those experiences and that's you, <laughs> what do you do? You, you just kind of, you know, you can only deny yourself so long. And so by the time I was like 14, I realized that I'd had, you know, some experiences, but I was going to, dive in and if I just gave it a try it was all going to work for me <clears throat> pardon me and then um, 
as I progressed through my teens, I was a very good girl and a good witness and uh, a good daughter ish. <laughs> Boy, when you look back on your teens, don't you wish you could have done just a few things differently? Especially if I used to read your grandparents or parents at times. Anyway, but I tried to be a good kid. And then um, uh, about 18, I turned 18, and the summer I was 17, I was introduced to my first uh, beau. And um, after that, I was just like, yep, we're due. This is it. So we bought a van and we drove around the country. <laughs> and I just left. I wrote my mom a letter and uh, you know, apologized. And I moved out that summer but stayed around and you know visited. And then I just said, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to go have an experience and go do something. And I did, and it was fun. And I mentioned yeah. that it would be very courageous. So what advice would you offer to a person who is potentially uh, wanting to change, wanting to break out of their long-held belief patterns, but maybe they're afraid to do so? Like what, well, what advice would you it, offer? What are the benefits? First, you have to know if, 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 if these belief patterns – You shouldn't feel sick when you think about things or people that you love or yourself or, you know, as you read through literature or, or whatever it is, um, if, if it's not resonating with you, it's okay. (laughs) You know, that just means you're different and, um, you know, it, it's it's a mountain. Spirituality, enlightenment, whatever this existence plane is, it to me is like a mountain. And there are paths, and there are elevations, and there are crags, and there are caves, and there are peaks and valleys, and you know, beautiful pastures, foothills, whatever. It's a freaking mountain. And wh- wherever you're going, it it's it's your journey. And there are people who are higher than you, and there are people who are lower, and there are people really who are on the same plane, but maybe just in a different portion of the mountain. You know, some are deeper within, and some are, uh, you know, scaling a cliff, and some are rappelling down, and and you just have to understand that your journey is, is going to be just as unexpected but it's also going to be wonderful because with each turn, you're getting a, a new vision and a new source of information and sensor senses and everything is more <laughs> with every step that you take as you walk, it's just more and deeper. And so you can let go of anxiety and some fear and learn to breathe and be mindful and just appreciate being in the moments that you're, you are in. And whatever your spiritual path is, first of all, make sure that the new information coming in and whatever's making you question is of a source that resonates well with you. Mr. So. Norton, I have to tell you something. Based on that answer was awesome. I think that you should be a <laughs> metaphysical psychologist. I'm sure people would love to get on your phone. <laughs> you can just give them back on. Miss Lisa McNorton, I want to thank you so much for your time, 
for your contributions, for your friendship. You're, you're awesome. Oh, Ryan, I think 2019 is going to be awesome, and thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our beloved listeners, the Council of Elders, Flicka, Carla, Crystal, Raleigh, Meg, my father, Lee, Cara, Julie, and Lisa. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Tellis. To learn more about the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. And be sure to drink extra heavy because it is the holiday season. Thank you. <laughs>